Broadcasting from the Mid-Migration Outfitter Studios, this is the Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast. How much direction are you getting from the governor? Minnesota DNR had reintroduced him into this area. I don't know, maybe you didn't want me to tell the story on the show, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I I knew you were going to go there. I'm going to close the entire hunting season. Oh, really? The Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. By Hay Bale Heights on Devil's Lake. Visit haybaleheights.com for more. By Ottertail County. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. And by Lake of the Woods Tourism. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. It's getting to be that time of year, man. I mean, uh, I've had a good time this summer doing some fishing in some pretty cool places from Florida to Saskatchewan and, and even around home here in Minnesota, too. But uh, I love fall. It's my favorite time of the year, and it's time to start thinking about it just a little bit since you can hunt early geese in, uh, in North Dakota here uh, pretty quick. And uh, Saskatchewan, of course, we're going to be heading up there the beginning of September. And you got everything everything kicking off. Doves on September 1st and everything like that. So it's time to start talking about hunting. And Ben Bredigan from OnX is going to join us right now to get you prepared for the hunting season out there. But Ben, for, w- let's just one real quick thing. Have you been doing any fishing or has it been all dog training this summer for you? I've been doing a little bit of fishing. We got up to Lake of the Woods, um, been kind of fishing in the in the walker area a little bit leech etc um but now it's after it cre- keeps creeping back every year but now what after the fourth of july i'm done with it <laughs> it's, it's getting dogs ready it's getting ready to hunt so there's just so much to do well i'm, I'm fired up yeah i mean it gives a whole new meaning to dog days of summer right like it can get fishing can get tough when you get into late july and august and uh it's nice to just start working the dogs i'm trying to get my dogs back into shape a little bit and over the uh after the off season and and get them ready for the hunting season and are you are you going to take part in any august hunting maybe uh you know chase some upland birds around somewhere else in a different place or uh, do some early canada goose or anything like that yeah, so I've got, uh, actually, I'll be out in Montana for doing some work stuff here for the next week or so, and then I get back for a few days, and I'm headed out um, kind of like the last week of August, back out to Montana to go get ready for, for uh, Sharpie and hunt season. So I'll I'll be out there running the dogs, kind of getting them in shape, letting them know what they're, you know, what they're supposed to do again, and, and then we'll kick it off September 1 and, and bring the shotguns out, so... So if you're going to have an outdoor, if you're going to start an outdoor company these days, do you have to headquarter it in Bozeman or is it, I mean, like, I feel like, I mean, I always thought Minnesota is a pretty good outdoor state and I know we're not, you know, uh, not the biggest one out there or anything like that, but I feel like everybody's in Montana now. Man, it is. uh, So we actually do have an office in Bozeman, but we're out of Missoula Mm. technically. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's where all the hipsters go. You want (laughs) to... Chew on bark and work for an outdoor company. That's where you gotta go. So. Well, and I'm I don't bl- in Minnesota, so yeah, and I don't. Bl- I mean, Montana is an incredible state for the outdoors, like for mm-hmm. for hunting and and fishing, for that matter. Like, I I don't blame people for going. It's cool. There's mountains and all that good stuff too. So I don't blame people for going out there. And it's nice to it's nice to go there for work, Ben. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's great to you know take a break, go to the mountains, but. 
Um, no place like Minnesota. I still say it. I uh, I could do Eastern Montana, but yeah. out, to be honest, the mountains. You got to drive too far to go hunt anything. I mean, you can hunt some things, but Dude, I'm the same. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like people are always like, "Oh, it's why don't it's the mountains? It's beautiful. It's this and that." I'm like, "Yeah, it's great to look at. I don't want to drive through them in the winter. I don't really want to walk up one to, to hunt. Maybe if I'm elk hunting or something, but." Like I love the prairie. I I love mm-hmm. being able to see see a long ways, and you know when I, fa- I I always joke about grouse hunting. You know, like rough grouse hunting. Rough grouse. Mika's moving the cam. Mika's our new cameraman. Apparently, <laughs> adjusting the camera over here. Get her the steady cam. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I always joke about rough grouse hunting versus pheasant hunting, and you know Dan and I have had this argument about living in the prairie versus living in the woods of northern Minnesota, and it's like, but I when I flush a bird, I like to see it, you know, <laughs> I like to be able to see it, and maybe have a second shot at it, or you know, or especially early season grouse hunting, it's a lot of times. Oh, I heard one. I heard one. Yeah, when you start counting birds you heard or not <laughs> even have seen, yeah. Rough grouse hunting is like musky fishing, right? Like, oh, we raised we raised six fish today. Oh, we we flushed six grouse today. We didn't see them, we didn't yeah. catch them, but uh, but it's a good day. It's a good day. That that is a good point. It, yeah, that there's definitely a parallel there. It's like you got your flush counter. You don't. And nobody asks like, oh, how many birds did you shoot? It's oh, how many did you flush today? So. Yeah. And this, I and I want to say that. something, this isn't a knock on upland hunters or rough grouse hunters, but I, I feel like sometimes rough grouse hunters are more happy when they don't shoot one, when, <laughs> you know, when they just hear them or, or see them, but, uh, but don't shoot one. Yeah. My great excuse is like, if I don't shoot one, it's like, oh, that was some great dog work there. <laughs> right? Oh man, do it for the dogs. It's like sunset pictures. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, that's well, that's great. cool. So you're going to, you're going to go out to Montana. Um, what are you going to hunt? What are you going to hunt out there? Primarily sharp, sharp tail grouse and huns. So sharpies and huns. Um, it should be, you know, all in North Dakota, Montana, uh, great moisture this spring. Um, the cover should be there. Grasshoppers are in in full force right now, so there's ample food for them. I've got high hopes. Uh, last year was still good, and we had kind of record droughts. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm always optimistic, but uh, this year should be a really good one. So. It's hard not to be optimistic when you enjoy something so much, right? I mean, like even yeah, in years of true. bad hatches, you still look forward to it and still power through it, even uh, even though it can be tough sometimes because you just enjoy it. it is, and you know what? Honestly, you joke about, oh, it's great dog work. That is what it is. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what makes it so much, so much fun a lot of times is just getting out there and hunting. And I like... One of the reasons I like pheasant hunting so much or Sharpie or anything like that is I'm walking into places that the majority of people on the planet have probably never walked into, you know, or, or watching the dog work a thicket back on the backside of a piece or on a huge public land piece where you just know it's just wild country, right? Like you're getting out into, into some cool places and you're doing it with, you know, with your buddies and your, your favorite four-legged friends. And, um, it's always great. It's always great pulling the trigger, but it's fun nonetheless. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, I've been chasing after birds with a dang cap gun here for the last, you know, 
few months and all the spring so i get it but yeah i mean like to go out on the prairies of of montana or wherever south dakota nebraska kansas doing whatever it's fun with especially like sharpies sage grouse prairie chickens is like when you're walking that landscape to think that they've been out there for thousands of years already so that's kind of cool yeah, absolutely. Well, and I know getting ready for that, especially if you're going to take a trip somewhere, Onyx is real helpful. And when Corey Loeffler and I went and did a, a turkey trip this spring down to, we went down to Missouri and Kansas and Nebraska, and we, we went into Nebraska completely blind, you know, didn't really know where we were going, didn't really have any tips from anybody. We just literally pulled up on X and looked for, for big chunks of woods, mostly in public land, big, big chunks of public land, things like that. Obviously we knocked on some doors, so we used some ownership names, but, um, Corey turned on the tree species identification and that really helped us kind of narrow down some of those big, uh, you know, patches of, of, uh, trees where we yeah. would, where we would find turkeys that's that's kind of it you know when you think about that okay onyx has this tree identification tool that's pretty cool and when you put it into practice it's like holy smokes like this is this is awesome yeah i mean it's it's kind of bringing all those things together right you've got your your satellite maps land ownership um you've got your tree data and then you bring in crop data as well mm -hmm. and it's everything you throw that all together and and i mean you're just super deadly right like there's you've got everything you need to hunt whatever species wherever you want to go um it's just a matter of, of kind of putting all those pieces together and, and going and doing it so you know with with the internet nowadays you can kind of learn just about anything and you throw on x on top of that and i mean i feel confident going and doing whatever so hey, who's who's whose waypoints are you showing on the screen right there dan those better not be my way we get those off of there showing, <laughs> showing everybody our they're all mine but if you can find them you can have them i guess screenshot that good yeah. <laughs> that's funny uh you know and for guys going out to north dakota right now having that crop that crop layer tool that crop identification i mean that's kind of invaluable between that and the e-posting being able to look on onyx and see who's got stuff e-posted uh i guarantee you just about everybody going into north dakota here for the early canada goose season is going to be using that stuff yeah you got to have it and we just updated it i think uh it's, it's been updated for 2022 now and if you you know be sure to look at it again this year because it is pretty drastically different um year over year there's a significantly more electronically posted land so i mean you zoom into any of the areas it'd be interesting to look at it year over year because um you know it's people have started to hear hear about it and uh they've added significantly more which is kind of nice because then you kind of know what you you know know what you've got going into it so but definitely a layer you're going to want to use you know and obviously you're going to be looking for wheat fields uh you know or even like a oat field or hay field or something like mm -hmm. that but everything is going to be a little late this year i think so if guys are going over to north dakota um i'd be looking for honestly i'd be looking for water probably first on onyx and then looking for some of those some of those crop fields around there but it's hard to say i mean if you're further south in the state i think uh some of that stuff will be coming off but if you're if you're if you're going to be in the northern part of north dakota there might be a lot of crops still standing when you get over there yeah for sure i mean that's kind of what i like to do starting out is just find you know big main bodies of water 
that you're going to have roosting areas on. And then you can flip on um, that crop crop data layer. You go into layer settings, uh, and then you can go and select uh, wheat. So it's a U.S. crop distribution folder. Go into layer settings, and you can go flip on like wheat, for example. And what I like to, why I like to do that is because then you at least know what areas of the state they're planting wheat more heavily. Oh, you sure. know, a lot of those areas down south, especially uh, with the price of corn and beans right now. Um, not a lot of wheat. There's not a lot of wheat. So mm. it just kind of gives you a better understanding of where that wheat's going to be. If you want to go hunt them in the field, um, you might look at a different part of the state that has water in it as well. So um, just using that to kind of piece together where you want to, you know, that's, so that's a good point. You know, uh, especially down where we're at here, down in that kind of that central slash Southern part of Minnesota and the Western part of the state, there's no wheat really around us. Mm -hmm. So the further, the further South you go, there's going to be less and less wheat and the further North you go, you're going to find more wheat, but there's going to be less harvest yeah. taking place. So it's, it could be a struggle for some of those guys over there this year. Yeah, I mean, kind of what I've found for, for with an August, early August opener is that um, either you're going to find those fields that have feeds of, you know, anywhere from, you know, a family group, 15, 10, 15 birds. Um, but if you put in the time, like we have found some great opening day spots that have, you know, uh, six, 800 birds in them even. So it's just a matter of putting on the miles in early season and just finding that, that right spot. So, um, but in saying that, you know, uh, a lot of years we've hunted early season feeds that have been, you know, hundred, 150 birds and, and done well on Smashed. it. So. Yeah. It, you know, it, th that scouting and the putting the windshield time in is the name of the game, no matter what for, for, well, for a lot of things, but particularly for waterfowl. And we've had, we had one hunt, the four of us in early season in North Dakota, where we shot, it was a 15 per 15 bird per guy limit. And we shot our 60 birds and it was, it was madness. Like it was unreal. Four guys shooting 60 geese it was insane. That feed was probably about 400 birds, but I know in the lean years, there, there's been times where we have just struggled and we'll see, yeah, 25 birds out there and we'll all look at each other like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. Is, it, is this going to be worth it? I mean, we could. They could come in in two groups. And if it's a, you know, you got enough guns going off, you're going to put up a stack. But, you know, do we do we sleep in tomorrow or do we try to set yeah. up on 25 geese? And that's, that's yeah. early season goose hunting. Yeah, I think it was, gosh, probably the best example of that is I think it was 2000, fall of 2012. Um, and I think I put on just myself, I think I put on 17 or 1800 miles the week oh, before man. the season. And I think there were three of us doing that. And I think that it was the last day before opener. And we found a field where we shot a, uh, I think it was a 10 man limit. I can't remember if it was 15 birds or 10 birds at the time, but, um, yeah, early season, the name of the game is just getting the right area and unfortunately spend four dollar gas <laughs> yeah lots of gas some bug spray probably or thermocells uh i know last time we did it we've spent one afternoon just swimming we went to a nearby lake and and swam because it was like 90 degrees and but uh it can be a lot of fun and it, it's that first crack at waterfall season mm -hmm. but it can be tough there's no doubt about it yeah
Yeah, but, and then like you were saying earlier, loafing ponds. Like if you can find good cattle pond areas, again, I don't. I'm not advocating for shooting roosts at all. Right. Yeah, I don't want to do that. But if you can find a good day loafing, midday loafing spot, um, those are always just some fun hunts. Watching them suck into to water. Oh, what? <laughs> I know. I don't want to bust roosts either. But man, shooting geese over water, <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's fun and sometimes very easy. So, yeah. wow. but. I've tried it a few times in the the nice thing about in the evening, you know, when you get real desperate, I've tried like at the end of the season. And the nice thing is they come in generally after sunset. So you don't have to worry about too many of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, so I've been there, done that, but I'm not advocating for it. Of course not. Uh, yeah, you bet. Well, what, what else is new with OnX? What's going on right now? We're just in the thick of it, man. Just getting ready, getting everything rolling for the season here. We've got a, a few new cool things. Um, kind of one of the things I'm most excited for, uh, if you look under the, the Minnesota folder, uh, we've added a bunch of new timber harvest data for you grouse cool. hunters. Nice. So that spans county land, state land, et cetera. So it's not just uh, strictly on like forest service or, or federal land anymore. And that's going to be uh, – that's going to be a wicked tool. It's labeled in terms of when, what year it was harvested. I think it's called forest disturbance. So um, that one's going to be really sweet. Super looking forward to using that one. Um, so that that's a layer that you can put on, and uh, particularly uh, for northern Minnesota hunters, I'd assume yeah. Um, yeah. that that's going to show you some areas that have been logged. Yeah. So if you go if you go scrolling pretty much anywhere, there's public up north. Um, there's going to be a significant significantly more timber harvest so you know that tan land is county land uh i would assume you're going to find some if you keep scrolling and further um just pick a piece of property and you'll start to see it they'll still pop up here um yeah so so they're labeled in terms of what year they were harvested so you've just got a lot of ammo you can they're kind of a tan outlined and you zoom in and it'll tell you what year it was harvested so um that just helps you pinpoint exactly with these giant tracts of public land uh where exactly to find birds so um it that's that's something that i used last year and it was pretty pretty good so i'm excited for for other everyone else to have a crack at using it as well yeah you know and that's something uh i had a discussion with some other people off the air today as a matter of fact about disturbance and logging and uh, the timber industry and what what that does for wildlife like obviously guys like us and probably most people watching this right now probably understand the benefits of of you know some disturbance in the forest uh like logging and what that can do for wildlife out there but I, there's so many people that don't understand how taking some trees out some of that old growth out and letting some new growth come in how beneficial that is not just for the health of the forest but for the health of the wildlife that's in there as well oh yeah 100 percent. i mean old growth forests i mean honestly they don't support that much wildlife when you look at uh you know more of an early successional piece is going to have a lot more biodiversity um and again it, it you got to have that that uh, successional driver, right? Whether it's logging, um, you know, we've done a damn good job of fire suppression, unfortunately. So mm -hmm. that historically was a great successional driver. And, you know, we just, for, you know, what it is what it is, but people hate fire. Yeah. Um, 
So logging is a great, great tool we have to help regenerate those forests. Well, it's interesting. We we were up in Saskatchewan and in the last couple of years up there, lots and lots of wildfires around where we've been. And we had to fly around a couple of them, which is it's pretty oh, wild being in a in a float plane and going, ah, we just got to fly around this wildfire. No big deal. You know, which and it, it never is or, you know, we're just going around them. But seeing it from the air is, uh, is a pretty <laughs> wicked experience. But most of the time up there, they, they let them burn out um, as long as there's no you know, people or structures or yeah. something uh, important to, to save, they'll just let them burn out because it, it is just generating regrowth there in the forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a very important tool for, for, sure. for all sorts of different wildlife, whether it's, you know, elk out west or birds, deer, everything in here. So, yeah, um, another cool thing we've got coming out uh, you were talking about Canada. So we have added Canadian maps. We've got oh, public really? um, We don't have private land ownership data there. The Mounties are a little bit of a stickler. But uh, we've got all the crown land up there. So interesting. Kind of kind of just getting uh, starting to get dialed a little bit on Canada. So if you're planning on going up there, you can see all that, that public land this year. So that's exciting. Yeah, we'll check that out. We're we're heading up there here for a few weeks, so we'll mm-hmm. definitely uh, give her a heck up there. And there's so much crown land up in uh, up in Canada. Actually, it's it's kind of amazing how much public land they have up there, and just how it's a little bit different than the way it works in the United States. But it's uh, it'll be interesting to know what is what when we go up there. All right, Ben. Well, if people want to get themselves an Onyx membership or maybe upgrade their membership. What should they do? Go head over to onyxmaps.com or onyxhunt.com and uh, you can check out premium as single state elite as all 50 states. Plus there is an absolute slew of, uh, of benefits you get by being an elite member um, discounts on, on a lot of great brands, um, early access to a lot of great brands, as well as uh, you get access to things like top rod, hunt and fool deer cast. So, a lot of bang for your hundred bucks for that membership. Yeah, a lot of tools, not just not just your your all the things that Onyx can benefit you for, but a lot of other tools as well to make you more successful this fall. Ben Bredigan, uh, thanks for the time today on the show. Good luck in Montana. All right, good luck up in the Northland. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Ben. This has been the Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast, part of the Sporting Journal Radio family. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts or visit us at findingfurandfeathers.com. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx.